Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley. I'm the founder and CEO of CollabTalk. You're listening to the CollabTalk podcast. This episode was recorded in November 2019 at Microsoft Ignite in Orlando as a discussion with Tracy Vanderskiff, Eric Riz, and Bruno Capuano. recording. That's what that means. <laughs> I'll do a little editing later. That's right. Hey, thanks everybody for joining. This is the Collab Talk podcast. We're here broadcasting live, well, in a recorded booth here, a fishbowl of sorts, uh, the podcast row at Microsoft Ignite 2019 in Orlando, Florida. And I've got a group of people sitting around here uh, chatting with me. Why don't we introduce ourselves? Let's start this direction and we'll start with Tracy. Um, hey everyone, so Tracy, don't forget Brahm, hey? So Tracy, together with Brahm, I'm a company, that's my, it's my emotional therapy animal. <laughs> Tracy, all the way from South Africa, so uh, awesome and great to be here. Excellent. And Eric? The man who needs no introduction. Thank you so much, Christian. Uh, I, I introduced you already. I'm the host, I don't need to introduce you. There we go. Introduce hi, hi everyone, Eric Riz here, all the way from Toronto, Canada. Uh, great to be at another Microsoft Ignite and seeing these smiling faces uh, across from me. It, it's phenomenal to see how this event has grown in a very short period of time. But great to be back here in Orlando and looking forward to a great podcast and a uh, fantastic event. And Bruno. Yes, Bruno here, also from Toronto, Canada, but not Canadian. We're going to see the, the accent what? here. I so, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought I had the accent. I'm so glad you said that. That's what's happening in Canada when you find this. And yes, I'm happy to be here. It's my first night, so I'm really, my mind is blowing right now with everything that's happening. And Bruno, so it's the first time we've met each other in person. So talked online. We've done well. We did video. We did uh, MVP Buzz Chat and. Other stuff, so it's it's always great to see. I, I find myself as I you know come across people from the community that I uh, recognize and I know, and and then I have a conversation. There's several of us from the community standing around, and then I assume everybody knows each other. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I I always I keep apologizing for forgetting to introduce people because we're just talking and oh and hi, I've never met you before, <laughs> you know. So that's always fun. I have a different problem. My problem is that. I don't remember names, and I find that it's rude to look down and see badges. So I just say something very casual like, oh, I'm sorry, Christian, do you two know each other? That's exactly what I And mean. then I step back and watch it all transpire. I like that idea. I will keep this in my backpack. I use the, the technique of just uh, then just like, hey, just a second, look at my phone, and then wait for them to have the conversation, then come <laughs> back up. Oh, yeah, no, I'm so sorry. I've done that too. <laughs> That's that's uh, why, guys, I just call everyone Cupcake. Yeah, just, it just hey, guys, I dude. that was... Just for me. Um, I'm, I'm oh, slightly disappointed, oh, but that's, that's okay. And that makes you two million other people who think it's just for them. Exactly. But, but you are unique. But I will speak to your emotional therapy animal about that. We will have some time together, and I'll, I'll, I'll deal Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. That's I'll why he's it. here, to provide that extra layer of care that we need. Well, so I know that we have, uh, you know, Tracy's just here for a few minutes, and she has to run off and do some booth duty stuff, and I would definitely want to get your input on this topic. Um, the, you know, very quickly, I think I'm going to read here because they've asked us to here, but uh, uh, for all the podcasts that are being recorded here at Ignite, uh, Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to our listeners. So to enter, visit aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes and uh, before December 15th, and then you might be able to win that. Mm -hmm. I'd like to win that. 
But what, are, what are we winning? It's not going to happen for me. The uh, Surface earbuds. Ooh. Buds for your ears. Mm. Thank you, Surface. Comfortable <laughs> and functional. That's right. Love well, the topic today, so the interesting topic of uh, how uh, a culture, organizational culture, drives innovation. And so I, I just want to, just with that, that title, and so talk about that. What does that mean? We've got you know, culture and, and innovation, two things I probably need to define of what those things mean, but kind of what is that phrase, what resonates with you, Tracy, as you hear that? Culture versus innovation. Hmm. Culture, no, what? Well, you know, not versus, how, but the how two. How culture drives Drives innovation. it, yeah, but uh, so, I always, and I mean, I, as you might know, that I work in the adoption space, uh -huh. change management, but pretty much I deal with the issues people have with each other. It's got not about tech. Culture. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's yeah. not about tech. It's not about people resisting tech. It's about that we have self-esteem issues and other issues and we don't work together well. We don't communicate well. We don't have decent digital literacy skills, you know. So if, if I think of culture, a lot of times companies assume that culture is uh, painting the canteen red and it's nice paintings and it's a new carpet and it's, it's uh, you know, bean bags and playstations. But but the interesting thing is, I mean, if you look at surveys, is that that's not the things that makes people happy. It's being able to work together and be in safe environments. And, and I think that's why those type of things drives innovation, because as soon as people are in environments where they feel safe and they feel supported and, uh, and they have each other's back, then we get creative. Because creativity is stifled when we're afraid, when we, when we are in environments where you're not allowed to speak up or uh, where it's not recognized or something. And, and then there is no creativity, but happy people who blossom become creative and creativity leads to innovation. So that's you know, a big thing for it's me. It's really interesting you brought that up that it's not about all of those gimmicky things no. out there. So I just read this book and I've, I've actually owned it for a while and I finally, I was on another trip a couple of weeks back and I brought it with me on the flight to finally finish reading it. And it was called Disrupted, My Misadventure in the Startup Bubble. And it's this guy, Dan Lyons, who, if you, I don't know if you guys Sounds read good. that, but he went and worked for a year at HubSpot, and they were very much the very millennial, yeah, young yeah. culture, like games, all this kind of stuff, mm. and and largely inexperienced in any of the roles and, mm. and title inflation and kind of all these different things. And so he talked, you know, and, and look, I have my opinions about his approach. I think he is, comes off as very whiny, very <laughs> pretentious, and yet not And now wrong. it's recorded then on air. And, and, yeah, and not entirely wrong. And you can that. reach yeah. Christian Buckley at. <laughs> <laughs> but it. it's a, but, but also, because I've experienced that in the startup world as well. And I, but I, I see how happy, because the way I look at this, happy employees innovate. Happy yeah. employees create intellectual property. Mm. Yeah, the, 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 that's and but I I think that some efforts and this is what I kind of coined you know, mm. gathered from your comment is that some of those efforts to make things fun are you plastic. Know, yeah, they, they could be misguided mm. in in what it's actually driving. I, I don't know thoughts. It's also about imagine that you have these small companies starting to grow and they grow with this culture, but somehow you you are going to have. And even today in tech, you're probably going to have five different, five different generations working together. For mm. me, I like to have a ping pong table and play around, but I also want to go back at home because I want to play with my kids. I want yeah. to do this kind of thing. So how do you balance this? This is something that is also 
important part there. And I also, what do you bring there? And you probably know, Canada is a huge ecosystem of different cultures. So when you get into a room, you can find people coming from, like myself, born in Argentina, living in Spain, now in Canada, people coming from Asia, coming, people coming from Latin America. People yeah, we don't have that in America. That <laughs> melting pot thing, no, no. I've Not never at all. Seen it. But yeah. it's... <laughs> It's, you also have it here, but when you have it there and you make it work and somehow it's starting to connect, it's amazing the things that you can get there. So I think it's only, most of the time, it's just trying to put everything together, try to get the balance. It's not easy to get the balance, to get there, but hey, once you made it, it's fun. It's not about, as you say, it's not about ping pong tables and puff. So I have a whole theory on, on culture in general. I think culture is a very, um, <clears throat> it's an amazing thing because we all come to the workplace with uh, a specific focus that we've had based on, and I'm talking about when you enter the workforce. Mm -hmm. you, your culture at that point comes in based on however and wherever you've come from, right? Where you went to school, how you were brought up, what you were taught, what you weren't taught, and of course your, your social scene, your friends, your whomever you've hung out with over those years. Then suddenly you're, you're thrown into a workforce where you've been hired into a company with presumably a culture, though oftentimes not, not a formal culture, but a very informal culture. And you're, you're told to go work. I remember walking into the first job that I had and I was shocked because people weren't talking to one another. Everyone was sitting behind a computer and they were typing away and they were working. And I had to sort of change, as somebody who obviously likes to talk, I had to change the way that I acted day in day out because so much of the work was done behind a screen versus mm -hmm. what obviously now many many years later I know as I am an extrovert and I, I identify with certain things that others do not some people are very happy and comfortable behind that screen they know they never want to go around the other side of it so culturally when, a, when an organization sets their culture whatever that's going to be they have to really reverse engineer that culture to their their people, their staff, and, and conversely, staff have to say, okay, this is what I'm now aspiring to or what I'm going to connect to. So identifying with that and getting that succinct cohesion is what then turns that into innovation. If we're going back to, Christian, what you had said about happiness and innovating based on happiness mm -hmm. in the workplace. Absolutely. So I think something for me just to always remember is that we've kind of like hooked onto that word culture as if that's the end state, but culture could be toxic as well. Everyone yes. has culture. So whether it's a good culture or not, I think is a thing. Well, well that's, and, and on that too, it's that, yeah, because we, we've all worked in organizations that have had a toxic culture and, mm -hmm. and it either needed to change or we've had to change by leaving, change our situation. Um, but there, you know, and so a culture needs to evolve and needs to, to change based on changing needs. And it could be the mixture of the people that are in play where maybe that worked the, doing all the fun yeah. stuff, the games, Back the ping pong, you know, the, 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 yeah. all, the, all of that kind of stuff. But you know, over the course of you know, the maturing of the, the organization, that it, you know, it just may no longer be a fit for what the, the company needs to go and do. And, and, and so part of that, and there's some organizations that have like a, you know, what to call it, like a chief culture officer or mm -hmm. culture czar type, type thing. Mm -hmm. um, that so they're they're that they're constantly looking at that as yet another uh, uh, facet of the company that needs to evolve and learn mm. and grow and change. Yeah. 
So I think just on that, something that's important for me, and I see this all the time with change management projects and even just helping companies with their roadmaps for Office 365 or something, is that, and I think that's where a big problem lies, is that that, that culture that we think that exists, so let's just take management, that boardroom where they make decisions, that PowerPoint presentation, the mission and the vision statement, that passion that they have never filters down to the employees. You can see it that it's not being reflected in job descriptions, so that whole let's innovate, let's yeah. have passion never filters down to job descriptions. So that passion that that management thinks that they're living, where they, why they started that company, never ever gets communicated got down. Those guys are just transactional below them. They never feel that passion, so for me, that's just one of those things that can really fix that. And if they can just start living that passion down so people can understand that every little thing that we do ties back into mm -hmm. the mission or the vision of the company or the passion of why we do this, then employees will buy in and work together and innovate. That's a very big thing for me. But there's always going to be a management issue as well, which is, to, to the point, there's always going to be a management issue as well, which is trying to adapt that culture to the people in the organization who are not interested yes. in, in evolving, right? So how do I, as the business owner, work with my organization and engage and connect with the people who just aren't interested? You know, they do a great job. They're there from nine to five. They're there a minute early and they stay a minute after, but they're there for the paycheck or the satisfaction or the whatever it is, and they want to be out of there. And they, they're not interested in connecting to anyone else and that's that's life yes and there are all these scenarios you need to identify the people who want to be part of the culture but see this from the outside it's like 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 when you are flying on economy and you see first class and you're very close there and you see the amazing people there they're having these amazing meals and you can amazing smell. just because they're in first class no, but, but just you <laughs> Christian smell. only flies first class so you oh. have to be very careful you don't want to offend him uh, you need, yeah. that's that's the key you get back with me but you're going to smell the food see everybody happy they are drinking champagne and then you're going to see the flight attendant closing the curtain and you're going to see the guy next to you clipping his nails or doing something like this you are here maybe as what you airline said, do you I, fly I don't, on I here I ask the same thing this is <laughs> maybe I know yeah. I don't put names here but yeah. hey yeah. as you said there's probably going to be a culture brand somewhere there but the reality is completely different how do you manage to get to, to connect and detect but this so the, and I would say that and I know that you're, you're not saying hey let's ditch those people that don't buy into the culture that that aspect of it because the culture needs to make room for all perspectives I mean there's a it, it's great to see uh, uh, you know it's so just around the world so much of a focus on diversity and inclusion is part of that that culture that it's important important that the culture of organizations um, are, are flexible, that are dynamic, that recognize that there's going to be people that don't, will never want to pick up a ping pong paddle and don't want to go do a team outing. And you know, the, the, like you can, as, as a manager of a, uh, of a direct team, you, know, you can kind of force the hand and say, hey, my 12 direct reports, we're going out. We're getting to like each other because we need to work together. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, the culture needs to also reflect on getting stuff done, the, the innovation aspect of that. Finding the right mix is, is that part, that's the hard part of that. Uh, the, I want to get you guys' impression too. Though another facet of this is, um, you know, like the, well, I think it plays into this. Eric's making fun of me, making faces at me. No, I'm, I'm not. I was just, I was obviously <laughs> going to say that I don't do impressions, Christian. <laughs> no, but um, you know when people talk about hiring and for the right, is, it, uh, is that person the right cultural fit? 
I mean, okay. when you hear that phrase, sometimes people think of that in a negative sense, like, well, we shouldn't look at hiring that way. I think that's a critical factor in the hiring process. You don't want to find somebody who's brilliant, but has, you know, it, that it is clearly uh, somebody who is not going to work well with others. Um, you know, that, that's that cultural fit. That, that's important. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about that. And by the way, I should point out, Tracely so rudely just got up and barged out. Now she had to leave and go do her booth duty. I was in the middle of that very long and extensive explanation of culture and, and the, the growth curve that you experienced in your career. And she gave me this funny look and <laughs> boom, out the door. I, I thought that the rude hand signals were uncalled for, but, you know, I, I don't know your relationship with her. Well, those were directed to you. I, d I did notice that. Uh, as I we just, are on the other side of the table. I just met her, so it's kind uh, of, okay, you are not nice, I leave. Sidebar here, you guys, uh, you know, the U.S. office, the television show, fans of the show. So I do right now, it's like, Eric, oh my gosh, put down the knife. You know, <laughs> run by. <laughs> did oh, you just call it the U.S. office? You did call it that. Yeah, okay. because that's what, uh, all right. Yes. All right, let's, so let's talk as about. As opposed to the U.K. office. Let's talk about yeah. corporate culture for a moment. Uh, back to your Yeah, so the hiring, question so the question hiring, yes. Do you so look at that as a negative? That statement of hiring for cultural fit. I think in, in my humble experience, you typically hear that in more senior level roles. If you're hiring a, uh, and no disrespect in, in intended here whatsoever, if you're hiring somebody for your help desk, who's going to be a very entry level individual, take uh, first line support calls and you know, shuffle those off to other people in the organization to do whatever it is your organization does and has to do you're not going to hear the, the culture conversation. You're going to hear the culture question and conversation in senior level roles where the impact that person is going to have will definitively impact the organization, likely, hopefully, for a positive. Yeah. And therefore, you want to make sure that the person who's coming in is going to fit with the group that's already there. And that's what's important to note is that cultural fit means there's already a culture, there's already a group, there are already insights and knowledge and, and a, a way that people work and you're trying really to make sure that that individual is going to fit within that organization. It's not about the, the individual as much as it's about the fit within the company. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I was thinking, it's not all senior. I was thinking of you could have a uh, junior level like project manager, but that role is high interaction. And that, again, you don't want somebody who is extremely introverted and, and not, can't be, has trouble talking to another human being. You don't hire that person as a project manager. They may have the technical capability, the industry knowledge of that. Wrong role, wrong fit for that. So we see this in example when we work with clients in my company, when we do design thinking sessions, which are very open sessions where we basically encourage people to think, to throw ideas. We put a lot of amazing scenarios and you can see who are the introverts and who are the extroverts. And you can also see that this is this culture is much more, I mean, I come from a Latin culture, I speak with my hands as an Italian. He's a fantastic dancer, he was telling me before we started recording. <laughs> please do <laughs> not, that <laughs> actually explains the shoes. So I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> please do not search for that. But hey. Sign him up for those skills. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. Dancing with the stars, that's Microsoft right. Ignite, yes. Yeah. Someone will find a video for me dancing in the internet and it's going to be my yeah. the end of that's what we can hope yeah but so. hey going back these scenarios you can see how people interact and you can see how this works in okay. example with italian people versus people from i don't know the north of europe which are much more closer and they are much more formal 
Let's it's alienate different. all countries on my podcast. Yes, Thank you. I yes, still have a couple more in the northern <laughs> Europeans. But yeah. they're still amazing yeah. because when they get the idea, if you frame yeah. this and they, hey, you are going to have an open session, please do not come here with to just see PowerPoints. Come here to show idea. It's great, but you need to prepare people also for this. You need to explain to them that this is not about culture. Your culture is welcome here, but we also spell A, B, and C. How you can bring this A, B, and C? How you can help us with this A, B, and C? One thing you, have to, you do have to be careful, too, is because I think, I think you just kind of you know, you know, touched on this, is that you can have people that are very introverted that may not, through the interview process, may not seem to be a cultural fit, but could be very high-functioning uh, you know that they they can reach deeply down into the skill set to go and do the things that are needed for the job, and so it's not just as simple as that. You know they came off as really kind of impersonal and don't, don't, they don't seem like they're people, a people person, and they're going to be a right fit for the role. Um, so that's again where you need to make sure that you're as you're defining your culture uh, for your organization that you're not limiting yourself to a certain type of person and then you've got a you know an echo chamber of all the exact same people you get 50 of the same people sitting in a room because then that impacts kind of the second half the innovation half yeah. of that and you have the other side that if you go for to have like all the power rangers one of each colors you are in the other stream instead of having all greens or all yellows you are going to have each one and maybe this is not what you want so it's a tricky and this is probably what how you see this in the last 10 years how the human resources department changed a lot. 10 years ago, they only care about numbers and hours and these kind of things. This year is a challenge that they have because they need to drive culture. They need to see what is culture for a company. Yeah. So I, I've had part of what kind of drove this, this question too. So I've had experiences where I've been in, as we all talked about at the beginning, uh, toxic uh, you know, organizations where uh, I, my experience in those organizations, what I found is that the high performers, because there was a lot of high performers, I'll put myself for the sake of argument in that category there, but we kind of went and did our own thing. It, it was detrimental. It impacted even those of us that got along fine, but because the, the problem in the organization, it impacted process and overall health of the organization. Uh, and, and I went from that team to the next team, all high performers got along great and you know this was you know, 15 plus years ago and we're still most of us are in contact on a regular basis like we just connected well we played the roles we we trusted each other around that it just worked very well and so kind of the premise for the question of the innovation half is i could just look at the output of that second team was amazing we had all of our you know commitments and we always exceeded went far beyond that and we always exceeded or hit or exceeded our stretch goals and it was because of that culture well <clears throat> this i mean perfect example obviously we're, we're sitting in it yeah. is the as christian looks around where are we sitting in is You're making hand <coughs> signals i'm just like well, what time is it what time is it? No, no, it's okay. i was i was illustrating yeah. something from earlier i apologize for distracting you look at the space that we're in around microsoft ignite look at the mvp space look at where people play, what they're speaking on, what their area of expertise is. I mean, look look at us as individuals. We all have day jobs. We all have hobbies. We all have lives and families and everything else that we do. In addition to all of that, we put more stress, more stuff on our plate, and we try to overachieve with podcasts and additional speeches and 
blog posts and other opportunities to Assuming be. Assuming the quality of the podcast. So we might be uh, underachieving, but I'm just saying. I, for the <laughs> Maybe not this specific episode of the podcast, but in general, you know, all the things that we do are outside of our nine to five, really. And even in examples where it is part of your nine to five, there's still things that we're all doing which we don't have to. And in, you talked about you know, the overachievement and going above and beyond. I mean, that's, that's a different level of culture. It's a different level of innovation. It's a different level that other people won't understand. You talk to, to friends who are in a very different professional space and you explain that you're going to a conference for a week away from your life and away from your business and you're going to speak in front of an audience and the first thing we've all seen, the first thing people say is, oh my gosh, doesn't that make you nervous? Right? They're, they're exposing their own insecurities. And for the people that are in this room, Tracy included, no, it doesn't. You know, yes, at one point it did, but you know what? We've done so many over so many years that it doesn't shake you anymore. It's part of My what we do. My comments are about the volume of walking that we have to do at the week of the conference, <laughs> the, the distances, that we, how much my feet will hurt. That's um, right. I think I hit five miles today. Th this did you already? This conference floor is that extensive. It's long. Did they not heard of the concept of the square? Shorter lengths to walk if it's in a giant square. I'm just saying, rectangles are nice. Squares better. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Any other thoughts? Bruno, you're making other hand. You, what is that gesture? No. Uh, yeah, so it's a, so kind of go back, the, 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 the output. Now, thinking about we work with the, the various, the technologies, we're here at a Microsoft event. I'm a collaboration technology guy. And I, again, I, I equate that a healthy, happy team, so a, a, a positive culture and the volume of output and what that actually means. It's, I, it, there's the, the, you know, the lost opportunity, you know, the opportunity costs of doing something inefficiently, doing something wrong. Like you'll never know the value of, or, or the cost of an unhealthy uh, culture, uh, unhealthy organization, poorly operated organization, you know, even if the output could still be high, but what more could you achieve if people were happy doing that thing? So you can't, it's not a one-to-one -one like, hey, ha people happy, we're going to double you know, uh, the output. It doesn't exactly work like that, but there are a, a number of measurements you could go and look at um, how culture impacts that innovation. Length of time that people stay employed. Yes. Um, and the industry knowledge that walks in, out in the door the, every In time. the same organization, you mean? Correct. Not, yeah. not employed overall over the course of their lives. Correct. I, yeah, maintained, in that, in that I maintained employment over my 50-year <laughs> career. It's the organization. Well, I mean, that's the thing. But that's, that's part of the point is somebody who is... Um, going to be a driver of innovation. Those those high achievers aren't going to stick around in a, in a toxic environment for very long. And so it's not just a body and a seat and the cost and the time there. It's also the fact that they were there for two, three years. And it's so it's not just, hey, we knew it and have a body and it takes 90 days to spin somebody up. No, you've lost three years of expertise. So it's the, and what innovations would have come out of that employee that are just not going to be possible for that now new employee, even when they're caught up to our processes and how to fill out a time card, you know, they, they lose that knowledge and expertise and the innovation comes from that. So this, this spins into a whole different conversation around innovation where it's really more based on the organization and their 
capability and ability to respond to employees who leave and figuring out a way to still be diverse and inclusive and engage the organization's staff members still for the good of the company. So if you're chief strategist, chief innovation officer, chief whatever officer leaves the company, there's a big hole there. And depending on what the person has does, I mean, has done rather, and you see this all the time, the, the chief product officer uh, at Apple left in the past six or eight months, I forget exactly when. Yes. Someone like that leaves, where does that leave the organization? You know, the person who created the iPhone, the person who created the Surface, the person who created the whatever, you know, the household name, enter household name item here has left. Where does that leave the company? You, in, you've seen it in, in uh, automotive with Ford. And I mean, just, you know, the only constant has changed. So it's back to the organization to say, look, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what we make. This is our culture. We have to figure out a way to drive that forward. But it's also the opportunity to change something. Take a look at we are here in Microsoft. How different is Microsoft today versus five years that ago? That was the example I was going to bring up. The bomber versus uh, you know, Nadella. It's basically two different cultures. If you were close to Microsoft in the last 10 years or so or more, you can really feel the difference between both of them. And as you say, someone left, so it's, uh, you need to fill the hole. But when you put something new there, it's a chance to do something Again, something you and amazing. I, I like that idea too. Is that uh, you know I used to always talk about that as a you know working for a a migration ISV, and we'd always say that like use the migration that change as an opportunity to go in there and fix things or do things differently. You don't just take the some of the working, but some of the broken things that we did and just move it over to new hardware. Like no, use that change as an opportunity. It's the same thing here. You have whether somebody toxic leaves or somebody who is fantastic and it's a huge loss to the organization, reflect on that, look at that as an opportunity. I know, you know, Tracy would uh, you know Tracy's be been really quiet in the I past few minutes. Either, so. <laughs> Tracy, are you okay? She's shaking her head violently no, but yeah, it's all right. It might be, yeah. It's a, no, uh, so it's 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 an opportunity to go in and to reflect on, um, and that's why I look. I know that there's a lot of kind of subtopics within this, but like organizations that don't go and do like the formal HR interview and understand why some of those people are departing and what can be learned and really look at that and be introspective about that. I mean, it is a massive lost opportunity um, for change. Um, but uh, yeah, it's... There yeah. are not so many organizations who are basically, when you are leaving, sit with you and have this ABC of why you are leaving. And this is valuable info. It is very valuable info. The, e the exit interview is a real thing. Yes. It, it, it drives so many things once that employee is gone. And there's, there are massive missed opportunities there for organizations who are not doing or are not, let's, let's be honest and real, are not afforded the opportunity to exit interview somebody yes. when you know some they don't show up on a Monday morning. Um, there's a, a huge gap there, and, and it's a usually a clear sign of a of a bad uh, uh, organizational culture that doesn't utilize, leverage that, learn from those experiences. In my experience, yeah. but uh, yeah, was, so I was going to bring up the exact same thing. So I was, you know, I was an employee when when uh, Gates moved, changed roles, and and left the company and. Bomber became CEO, and 
Uh, and so I was a f big fan of, I was in the, the last two years at Microsoft, I was in the uh, live uh, organization. So um, I was in a meeting once where Satya was in there, but so didn't meet him, but you know, it was, uh, and now of course I keep saying that I want to go do the selfie with him on stage at some point. And I think I'm uh, on a list somewhere that security watches because of that. So I've mentioned that repeatedly. I thought, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I was wondering hey, why I'm not, I'm not like ducks stalking him in, in men's bathrooms. So I, you know. I was wondering <laughs> why I've been asked repeatedly when boarding airplanes if I know Christian That's Buckley. Right. There, yeah, there, there you go. No, but um, at, you know there was a so I think to your point, Bruno, is like there was a recognizable change in culture, and part of it was uh, you know Satya came in and said there are some things based on his experience that we need to do differently. And so it was a, it's an ongoing, and because they are, they are recognized that it's not an overnight. You can't flip a switch and just do it. You can't just change a policy, and that there are some you know deep rooted, you know cultural aspects that just take time, for those things to evolve and change, but yes. that it's noticeably different. And, and another important topic there is, define what is innovation. Innovation doesn't mean the same for every company. I and I, I just was talking with a couple of people here about that. Two weeks ago, I think the office team announced that they now allowed to send emails with attachments big as 150 megabytes, which is for me the worst idea ever. I don't want to have all of these big files in my inbox. It's going to be crazy. I don't. But for some other scenarios, which still, please do not send me dots in those emails. <laughs> it Cr may Christian, works. can you pass my laptop over here, please? <laughs> I want to send Bruno an email. I am looking, I am trying to understand what this, but hey, I'm sure that there are scenarios that this is really an innovation. This is really something that people were looking forward to. You need to define what is important to you as a company to try to connect the dots. So it's kind of a balance between what do you define innovation, what is the culture that you want to do, and how you can embrace people to go there. Yeah, innovation, I mean, I, so again, I'll, to, to define it, and, you know, again, it can be this, this thing that can be defined by your culture of what that is. I think it's like anything. You need to have and understand what the measurement of success is. If you don't define that, not that it can't evolve and change your thinking around what success looks like, but you have to have that measurement and say, okay, this is, this is what this means. And it could be that we have, um, like, are you doing a, and my team actually did this, my last team at Microsoft, we owned the, for this organization, 1800 person organization, we did our CSAT survey, so the customer satisfaction, and the ESAT survey, we actually helped drive that as well for the organization. And so. Sorry, ESAT is for? The employee satisfaction survey. Thank Sorry. you. I yeah. thought that was for eating some sort of, never mind. Yeah. The cafeteria food, yeah. eat, eat, I'm, maybe I'm just hungry. Maybe, I don't, maybe. Long day. But you know, so so looking at that information, and uh, and then based on that, um, and there was a there was a battle over a couple of years of the fact that they um, there was pushback from some managers to evolve and change. We, the argument, and I was pro change, was that it's not telling us what you think that it's telling us these other these other managers, and they're saying to be consistent. Same, we've always asked this question. It's always the way that we've done it around that. I said, yeah, but we're not getting any insights. We're not getting any learning out of that, that process. Um, but the, the fact that they did continually run it, and it did evolve and did, did change after that. Um, and then you know, it, we used that as an opportunity to go back and, uh, uh, you know, and ask questions and change. Now, it didn't change before I left the organization. 
Um, but you know, keeping in touch with former direct reports and friends that were in the company, and I saw that evolution, especially it, it sped up when Satya became CEO and, and said, hey, top down, we have to make changes to the culture. Um, it, it was uh, very effective. I, you know, so where you have Microsoft now that's battling for the number one spot, I'm not sure if they are the most valuable company in the planet right now, or if they're back to number two. It keeps going back and forth yes, now. It's yeah. I, I didn't check today. But. Yeah, with that fruit company. So it's, um, yeah, it, 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 and so much of that, I say, I believe, it has a direct, is a direct uh, uh, impact of the cultural changes that Microsoft made, which sparked the innovation. Yes, and if you take a look at the new Microsoft, and I'm quoting, which is not very good to do in a podcast, the, the new Microsoft, it's all about culture. What they did he has change. has air quotes, people. Yes. <laughs> what did change in the last five years is not much about the technology and whatever, it's the culture. This is, you can feel the new culture here, which is amazing. So what can, what can people do? We've got about 10 minutes left. What, what, what can people do? What, what are the things that they should go and look at? Like what can be uh, like tactical steps that they could go and, and do this? Uh, you know, any, any advice? No advice, excellent. Lots of advice, yeah. lots. Of, I was actually, I wanted Tracy to have the opportunity to respond to that. <laughs> and, and once again, so she's uh, shirking her responsibility. That's right, and once again she hasn't. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things <coughs> to, to mention and, and to address when you're talking about trying to, trying to innovate through culture. Um, and, and we've touched on so many things at, at such a broad swath at this point that, um, that I don't think we have enough time to go through all of it, but I think that. But we'll try, though. Eric. We will try with effort. We will try. Not only will we try, we will succeed, Christian, okay. because that is the culture of the. See, see how we just, bang. I'm just adding on to your rambling, but I, I know that you eventually have a point once you think of something. Well, you, so you, <laughs> what you did there in saying there was ten minutes left, you you basically said, okay, guys, we have to fill ten more minutes. So, figure something out. Anyway. Enough of that as you shake your head and I'm never invited onto the podcast again. I think that the, the way to build culture and the culture of change is to look at the external influences and try to draw on things that appeal to a, br a broad audience. Meaning the cultural change at Microsoft is, is phenomenal and it's, it's great and everyone's behind it and everyone looks at Satya and says, this is great that he shows up for the keynote in a golf shirt untucked and sneakers on and jeans, and that's very Steve Jobs tech, uh, and that's sort of expected. But what we also have to apply is a world where, in a world, in a world where, in a world where everything that Microsoft is bringing out is easily consumable based on where we are as, as as companies, as organizations, we are ready to use these technologies for the better. And it wasn't always like that. You know, you can certainly say that Microsoft's first swipe at Yammer was not successful. It was, what, seven, eight years ago now that, uh, or maybe a little bit less, that Yammer was acquired. And certainly they didn't get the success they were looking at. You need to have the organizational readiness, the cultural readiness, the societal readiness to consume these products properly. I was sitting in a session earlier uh, here at the conference where they were talking about how to use Microsoft Teams for the good, for the bad, and for the ugly. 
and they're explaining what at mentioning is. You know, that's, that's something which today we recognize as something that is going to streamline the way that we work. If you had introduced that five years ago, which Yammer did, what happened? Nothing. You know, no one understood how to use it. We were not ready as a society, as a business society, as a culture, to use that, to, to incorporate it in our, in our daily tasks, in our daily lives. So I think that, that external influences of culture and innovation and all these things are just as important as anything else. Yes, and I think that the company also needs to have a clear vision of what they want to do. If they want to have a culture, an example of young people, go for it, embrace it and go for it. But you also need to be, they also need to be aware that at some moment if they're going to change, they need to be agile and they need to react to, hey, we need to change from A to B or we, always, or we also need to add this other spectrum of people It needs to be as highly to, to react to the change in order to get there. Because, again, innovation is different at any time. And I like the Yammer idea. Yammer was a big question mark for a long time for a lot of people. And today is happening. Today we know the app. Today we know, we know the A. Hey, hashtag awesome. I am doing hashtag with my hands again. Not a very smart idea in a podcast. But it's how we can quickly embrace and adapt to these changes. Yeah, I think that the... Uh, my... my value added, kind of restating what I said earlier, but is the, the, the fact that there the, has to be on a regular basis going back and reflecting on, so where are we, how have we improved, where have we changed, where can we where can we do more? It's, it's really an, uh, I'll go back, Eric, you've heard me talk about this, but that operational mindset, if you think of like W. Edwards Deming and that, you know, you know, optimizing the system, that you, um, well, like I always, I, I always joke with my children, I have some high-performing kids, and uh, my my son, Nick, was uh, sharing kind of his latest grades. He's his freshman year in, in college, and said his lowest grade was 97%. He's a very smart kid, and uh, and he's at 105% in his best class. And I said, Nick, man, you could do better. And I was, it was, it's a running joke, which is, the, it's like there's always an opportunity to do more. If, is it, uh, my next line of questions was, is it too easy for you kind of thing? It's like, but we're, you don't um, just say, hey, uh, you know, as an organization, hey, this is, is good enough. You've now created a new baseline and where you're saying, well, how can we get even better than this? How can we improve? If everybody's like, it is fantastic. It's like, yeah, but, but how can we still make it better and do more and, and be better? Um, and so part of that comes through, we say, you know, the define what innovation looks like. Innovation isn't always like the output of product or intellectual property. Uh, innovation could be the quality of what's being created. Um, the uh, Again, you could create the same volume of output and yet people are happier in doing that. That would be an innovative change that I think most companies would also like to see. But is innovative quality a measure of culture if you haven't been going back to what I, I said sort of off the top if you haven't been trained and coached and mentored and and put in a position where you understand what high value is then you might look at something and miss the forest through the trees you think that you know, there's only white paint in this world and you've never seen another color of paint so if the wall is white it's the only way and the right way of doing it So there's a, a challenge there as well for organizations to broaden the horizons of their, their people from a cultural perspective, from an innovative perspective. It, it's, it's endless, really. Right. 
and you need to have also the the process and the support to do this. You need to have the tool to listen to people to see what's happening. I remember one of the craziest idea that I heard from someone a couple of years ago, very young people, someone come to talk to me and say, you know what, I don't believe in TCPIP. And I say, what? 99% of the communication in the world are based on this? And she said, and he said, no, I don't believe it. I have my own communication protocols and started to show me diagrams and I said, what? But in the back of my head was saying, hey, I print my own money. <laughs> maybe in 20 years, he is the guy who basically yeah. are running this. But, yeah. and I really hope that his ideas will get to the point that someone will say, hey, let's play around with this and not, and I've seen these big rooms full of boxes with amazing ideas that never get there. So you need to have tools to move these things forward. And it's not easy to have these tools. It's part of the culture. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry. And if you Sorry you're, you're still there. laughing at the printing your own money joke. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of greatness. No, it's it, look, it's yeah, it's uh, anyway. But yeah. do you, but do you accept your own money? No, I don't accept my yes. own currency. I can, because I, you know it's fake. <laughs> you know, it's, it's there's something. Re, it's, it's real, Eric. It just doesn't have any value. I'm just gonna throw it out there. But Buckley Bucks has a great ring to it. <laughs> oh yes, that's a good thing. Well, I know there's a lot that we can kind of, uh, you, know, you know, continue on and talk around uh, in, in this topic, um, um, you know, especially with, uh, with Tracy um, not in the room, so it leaves so much space for us to get words in. Wow. I mean, this is, I'll have to speak to her later. Tell us how that. you <laughs> really feel, Christian. Please, don't hold back. No, really appreciate you guys, though, uh, taking some time out of your day here at Ignite and uh, looking forward to – I'm sure this will continue, This, you know, versions of this, this topic uh, elsewhere. Uh, I am, again, very popular – well, very popular. We we're know seeing, you're very. We know you're very popular. No, we're seeing it's, it's more okay. and more diversity and inclusion in the topics around that, and culture is part of that discussion. That it's being discussed more and more, which is a good thing to see. And uh, so, anyway, well, anyway, appreciate you guys taking the time here in Collab Talk. And uh, are they going to come? Are they waving at us, telling us to, to shut it off? Shut it all down, people. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.